we stand with Christ, there are going to be people who aren't going to like it. But before Paul goes, he builds significant relationships and friendships there in Philippi. There would be future visits to this city. And then there's this letter that we have in our Bible called Philippians. And the verse that I want to highlight for us today is a verse that's all about unity. And my prayer for PC Youth is that we would leave here committed to unity like we have never been committed to unity before. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose. Listen to this. Fighting together for the faith. Welcome to the PC Youth Pod. This is the final episode of the season, and we brought a highlight from our summer camp. On the final night, we had our lead pastor, Pastor Tom, join us, and what God did was amazing. So grab your Bible and something to write with as we get into the message, Strength in Numbers. I don't know what everyone came in here arriving at camp expecting, but I believe many of you would say that God has done things, even if you've been to camp before, that God has done things in your heart and your mind and your soul this week that would exceed your expectations, that through the study of God's word, through gathering in this tent, through worshiping, through being in community, that God has challenged you, God has encouraged you, God has opened your mind, opened your heart to things that maybe you weren't even ready for. So tomorrow you're going to go back. And this is true of this youth camp and every youth camp in the world. You're going to go back and people are going to ask you, what happened? Where were you? And you have a choice in how you are going to respond to that question. So let me ask you right now during this service, as we preach from the word, as you go back to spend time with friends, as you are laying down At the end of the night tonight, I want you to already begin thinking about what you are going to say when someone asks you, where were you this week? Because we all have the choice of saying, well, I I was at some church camp and kind of moving the conversation on because we don't want it to get weird. But you also have the opportunity to say, you know, this may sound strange to you, speaking to your friend or family members. This may sound strange to you, but... I went to camp and I had an encounter with God like I've never experienced before. And you have an opportunity to share how God has worked in your life this week. Don't miss that opportunity. When someone asks you what happened at camp, you have an opportunity to tell them about Jesus. And not from the perspective of a Bible college student or theologian from the real perspective of your life. Nothing is stronger than your testimony. And you have a chance to speak from your own life. So here we are, gathered on the lake shore. I went tubing this afternoon. Uh, I was tubing behind the jet ski with Chris Coda and Jordan. 
And there is, and then also behind the pontoon boat uh, pulled by Andre, there is a very fine line between recreation and abuse. I would like to report to you that I, when I was being pulled behind the jet ski, that uh, I did not fall off. Um, there was an opportunity when I was off to the side. I was going pretty quick, and I saw a fishing lure in the water. And so I just jumped off the tube to see if I could get it. Uh, and then a second time... Uh, I looked up at Chris, who was pulling, who was driving the jet ski, and he looked tired from all that steering, and I thought I would just jump off the tube for a second to give him a short rest. Looking out for other people, you know? So here we are, gathered on the lake shore. Great things have been happening. Some of you have had an encounter with the Holy Spirit like you've never had before. Some of you have uh, spoken in a spiritual language, and maybe that's a brand new experience for you, that uh, you've encountered a filling of the Holy Spirit that's new in your life, it's powerful. Maybe you sensed a direction. I heard that there was an opportunity for people to come forward that sensed that God may be calling you to some sort of full-time ministry work or missionary work, and many of you responded to that. Maybe you came into this place with a confusing situation. You weren't quite sure what you should do. And God has spoken to you through this time together. God has brought clarity to what has been confusing. And you know what? Maybe you leave here with some questions because of what God has done in your life, the way you've encountered him in an unexpected way. You know what? That's okay. Do you know we worship a God who allows us to ask questions? There are other belief systems in the world where you're not allowed to have questions. You're just supposed to accept what the person and the religious authority says, the person who wears the robes, the person that has the right position. You're not supposed to ask questions. We worship a God that allows us to be real with him and allows us to ask him our questions, to say, God, I've, I've experienced this. I don't quite know what it all means. I'm still wrestling with it. I bring that to you. And as I move forward, God, I'm asking you to continue to bring clarity to what perhaps has been previously confusing. So here we are gathered on the lake shore, and I think of an event in the Bible when a local church started not on a building, but on a riverbank. After the death and resurrection of Jesus, Acts 12 tells us the Apostle Paul and, and his team reached a city in Europe called Philippi. Can you say Philippi with me? Say Philippi. Good. On the Sabbath, instead of going to a synagogue, maybe there wasn't a synagogue in this city. There probably wasn't. Instead of going to a synagogue, they went outside the city to a riverbank. Here we are outside the city on a beautiful riverbank. Not riverbank, lakeshore. There's no cathedral in the world that can rival that. (laughs) What God created out there. That's beautiful. So there Paul is on the riverbank. Here we are on the shore of a lake at this beautiful camp. And Acts chapter 12 tells us that there on the riverbank, women gathered to listen to Paul. Acts chapter 16, verses 14 through 16. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth. So this was a successful businesswoman. 
One of them was Lydia, who worshipped God as she listened to us. The Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. Maybe that's happened in your life here this week. As you listen to the word being preached by, by Brian or by Pastor Bill last night, the Lord opened your heart and you accepted what was being taught. In Acts, we're told that Lydia and her whole household were baptized and then she actually invited Paul and his traveling company to come and live at their house, to stay at their house. This is how the church in Philippi started. This may very well be, this was likely the very first church in Europe. The first church in Europe started by a group of women having a Bible study on the riverbank. Wow. Well, Paul eventually gets driven out of town because not everyone is happy with the message that he brings. Many of us would say perhaps we've learned from some sort of experience that when we stand with Christ, not everyone likes it. We may experience pushback. Well, the pushback got so extreme in Philippi that Paul and his friends were actually driven out of the city. When we stand with Christ, there are going to be people who aren't going to like it. But before Paul goes, he builds significant relationships and friendships there in Philippi. There would be future visits to this city. And then there's this letter that we have in our Bible called Philippians. And the verse that I want to highlight for us today is a verse that's all about unity. And my prayer for PC Youth is that we would leave here committed to unity like we have never been committed to unity before. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose. Listen to this. Fighting together for the faith. When Paul says, when I, when I come back, to see you again, this is what I want to find. If I were to show up unannounced, this is what I want to see here in Philippi. I would want to find you standing together in unity, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Paul says, when I come and see you again, what I desire is to see standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for faith, which is the good news. The good news, very simply, is the reality that sin separates us from God. We cannot repair this broken relationship on our own. Jesus Christ came fully God, fully man. When he suffered and died on the cross, Jesus paid the price for our sin. When we make the decision to place our faith in Christ, our sins are forgiven. Knowing about Jesus, knowing about Jesus is good. Believing Jesus is the Son of God is better. Placing faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior is even better than that. And even better than that is not just believing, but making the choice to follow Jesus. To follow Jesus. I like how like five of you clapped. It's a place where we can cheer, we can clap, a place to be loud. Following Jesus is to increase knowledge, understanding of him, what he said and how he lived, and to become more like him. Become more like Jesus. 
Above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Here's our desire for PC youth, standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for faith. Let's get real for a few minutes. We cannot fight together if we're fighting each other. Unity. Unity. Unity is a lifelong pursuit, not a destination. We miss out if we decide, well, now that I'm a Christian, I'm just going to spend the rest of my life trying to make the most out of my Christian friendships until either Jesus returns or this life, this side of eternity ends. We miss out if that's how we live. We have purpose as long as we have life. There can be trouble in our Christian relationships, and there's not always a quick fix. Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe even with somebody who's here. It's possible that someone here in this tent did something or said something that has hurt you unintentionally or even intentionally. This may have happened weeks Months, years ago, or you know what? It may have happened today. It may have happened today. Sometimes you're friends with a person until you're their roommate. (laughs) Then you realize, I didn't know how annoying you are. I didn't realize how messy you are. are. I want you to just take your eyes off me and look around the room for a second. These are your brothers and sisters in Christ. These are your brothers and sisters in Christ. These are your brothers and sisters in Christ. These are not your enemies. These are not your opponents. These are not your enemies. We cannot fight for the faith of others if we're fighting each other. You know what? The enemy, we believe there is a real life enemy. And uh, the enemy delights when we fight each other because when we fight each other, that distracts us from going after those who are outside of faith in Christ. The enemy would love for us to just be filled with anger and division and gossip towards each other because as long as we're doing that, we're focused inside. We're worried about inside instead of going after what we need to go after outside. And so some of us are wrestling with, well, what do we do when there is a tension in relationship with another person who is a Christ follower? And if you were to stand up here, I was to give you the microphone, and you were to tell me the story of why that person, why there's so much tension, we would say, you know what, if I went through that, I probably would experience tension too. So some of you are wrestling with a real-life situation where you're thinking of tension that you have with another person who is a Christian, and it doesn't feel like there is a quick fix. You know that the closer that we are to people, the, the higher the probability is that we're going to have tension with them. The people that you've experienced the most tension with in your life, it's not a stranger. It's someone who has been your friend. The closer that we get to somebody, maybe even once we have time to spend a little, a couple nights in a yurt together, the more time we spend with each other, the greater the chances are that there's going to be some tension. So we have a couple of options. We could say, you know what, my desire is to try to go through life just hoping that I'm never going to have any tension. 
I just hope that I'm going to live without tension. Or we can say, you know what? I'm going to have close relationships. And there actually is a high probability that at some point there is going to be tension. How am I going to work through that to bring the relationship through the tension and be possibly even better on the other end of that? So some of you know that I used to um, work as a television news reporter, and so we would go out and uh, work on stories. We'd go out in a news car. Sometimes it would have, like, the station logo on the side. Sometimes it would be unmarked. Unmarked was always better because if you fell, na- fell asleep, like had a nap in the car, then people weren't taking pictures of you with their cell phone in the news car. Anyway, there was one photographer I worked with, uh, and I just felt like she hated me. Like, if I got assigned to work with her, I was, like, there was just this tension in the car. And I would just go in hoping, like, my work day would be so much worse if I was assigned. Because I just, I didn't know what I did wrong. And I just allowed this to go on for weeks and weeks and weeks. And finally, I said to her, you know, I, can, I, I feel like I really bother you. I feel like there's something about me that really annoys you. And I, I don't know what I've done to you, but I don't like it. And she said, well, I want to tell you what you do. (laughs) She said, you get in the car and we go places and you treat me like I don't know where anything is. And you tell me every time I'm supposed to turn, every time I'm supposed to go straight, go left or go right. And it really makes me feel small and unimportant and you you don't trust me to get us to where we need to go. And I didn't even realize that I was doing that. And I realized, yeah, I can totally see how that's very annoying. But you know what? After that, it was like all the tension was let out. And I could, from that day forward, that photographer became one of my favorite photographers to work with. Because we had worked through the tension. We just said what needed to be said, or I said what needed to be said, and I'm thankful that she was honest. Your faith will grow as you surround yourself and give yourself to a community of believers. Your faith will grow as you surround yourself and give yourself to a community of other believers. So let me ask you a couple questions tonight. Is there any way, any part of you that you are holding back from being part of this faith community? And maybe you're, you're part of a different faith community or as kind of a visitor. Whatever your main faith community is, is there anything, any part of you that you're holding back from being all into your faith community? Is there anything that you may want to do differently to welcome people who are new? What would happen if each of us really grabbed on to the idea of community? A community where you can be real because fake is so exhausting. A community where we can encourage each other, where we can cheer each other on. And it's not pretending that differences don't exist. It's not about holding in what needs to be said just to keep the peace. Because when we hold back and we just try to cover it up and say, I'm just not going to say it because it's going to keep the peace. Well, what happens? Well, you have no peace. You're, you're trying to be, do a favor to everyone else by not saying anything inside you're being tortured because you're not saying what needs to be said. 
I'm talking about a community where there is security because it's based on love. Where you can say what you need to say, where differences are okay. It's about being real with ourselves and just taking a moment. Taking a moment. Some of you are thinking about what you want to say to somebody else here. And it's about taking a moment before saying what you want to say and saying, okay, before I say this out loud, or because it's easier, before I text it out, before I blast it on Messenger or Instagram or TikTok or whatever it is that you, whatever your preference is. Okay, before I blast this out, let's just take a moment. What is my motive here? What is my motive? Is my motive to bring unity? Well, putting this out there, even though it may bring pain for a moment, is the eventual goal to bring unity? Or is my motive actually to bring, to escalate the division? What is my, my motive? What is my motive before I say what I want to say or text what I want to text? You have lived this. I don't need to say it. This is so counter to what so many teenagers experience. And perhaps even you have experienced. So I graduated from high school in the year 2000. I know for some of you that sounds like a really long, really long time ago. Like olden days. It was the olden days. But what I can remember from way back then is that high school and middle school social circles can be and are most often fueled by gossip, by selfishness, and a lot about being fake to fit in. So if our community is fueled by the same things, then we're no different than everybody else. If we're fueled by gossip in our youth group, if we're fueled by being fake to fit in, if we're fueled by selfishness, then we're no different from what you might experience in the hallways of a high school. As followers of Christ, get this, you are holy. You are holy, which means you are set apart You are distinct. So let's be a faith community that stands out and stands out not as one, but together. Let's stand out together. So here's a question because we're being real with each other. Do you stand out? Do you stand out? When you're not with your Christian friends, do you stand out? Are you set apart Do people see a difference in you? If I were to listen to a conversation that you were having with your non-Christian friends, and this is actually not just for teenagers, this is for like all people that are Christians. If we were to listen to a conversation that you were having with your non-Christian friends, would there be a difference because you're in the conversation or would there be no difference than if there were no Christians in that conversation? If I were to look at the apps on your phone and your text message threads, if I were to look at what you're liking on TikTok, would there be any difference in what we see revealed there than someone who is outside of Christian faith? Are you set apart? If we were to look at what you watch on Netflix, what you look at when no one else is watching, would there be a difference between you and every other non-Christian 
If you have made a decision to follow Christ, you have this in common with every other person who's made the same decision in this room. If you, if you have made a decision to follow Christ, look around once again. You have this in, you think about maybe what makes you set with all the differences. If you have made a decision to follow Christ, you have that in common with everybody else in this room who's made that same decision. Everyone's involved. No one left out. Let's leave this camp more committed to unity than we've ever been committed before. Everyone's involved. No one is left out. Imagine the potential reach of PC youth if every one of us made a commitment that no one is left out. Think about how huge that will be for spiritually lost people in Salem and Kaiser and Brooks and Silverton and Mount Angel and where else do you live? Whatever I'm missing. Think about what a huge difference that will be for the spiritually lost teenagers in your friend circles who have been so hurt by gossip, by backstabbing, by being used or even abused if they see that something different is happening at people's church. I see a difference there. I see a difference in that community. And I want to be part of it. I want to be part of it. Being set apart. Attractional, by the way, we care for each other. Security, knowing that there is love. When we do these things, we become bright lights in a dark world. Philippians 2.15, live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights, shining like bright lights, like the lights that are shining in my eyes right now that make it difficult for me to make out your faces. Go ahead and look at the lights right now. Everyone turn and look at the lights. Just stare at the lights. Don't blink for like five seconds. Now look it back. Now it's just a shadow, right? Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Imagine what would happen if all, if all, every person in this tent, what if all people, not just some, what if all in the PC youth community prayed for each other? What would happen? Maybe you think, oh, I'm going to, I know that that, uh, that friend of mine, she's a really good prayer. Whenever like it's time to pray, I hope that she gets picked because she just knows all the right phrases. But what if we just didn't leave the praying up to that one person who's like really good at the public praying? What if we, what would, what would happen in PC youth, Pastor Aaron? What would happen in PC youth, Pastor Spencer? Brian, what would happen in this youth group, in your group, if everybody made a commitment that we're going to pray for each other? Philippians 1.4, whenever I pray, Paul writes, I make my requests for all of you with joy. I know it may feel like this is never going to happen, but someday you're going to be past youth group. Someday you're going to be past youth group. My heart is that you would look back on your time in PC youth and say, that's where I had pastors that I can count on, that were there for me no matter what. And you know you have that in Pastor Aaron and Pastor Spencer. You can count on them no matter what. I see them behind closed doors. They pray for you. They are talking about, they, they, they talk about who do, who is, 
Who's been on the inside that feels like they're drifting to the outside? How are we going to go after them? Who needs the extra dose of love this week? That's what fills their mind. You can't fake that. You guys are smart. You guys can sniff out someone who's faking it. These two do not fake it. These guys are all in for you. Aaron, I know you're all in. I know Heather's all in. Spencer, I know you're all in. I know Corey's all in. We're excited for what God is doing in both of your lives, and we're thankful for it. I want you to look back in your time at PC Youth and say, that's where I had pastors I could count on. That's where I had friends that I could be real with. Yeah, that's great. I want you to look back and think of the people who are in this room, even if someday you're not friends anymore, that you're thankful for the people you were in youth group with, saying, I love that community. Because I didn't have to be fake, and fake is so exhausting that these are people where there was a security that I could say what I wanted to say, that I could laugh with them, that I could cry with them. I want you to look back at your time in PC Youth and say that there were parents and leaders who were patient and shared wisdom. Christian author Joe Saxton writes this, I wonder what would happen if we really took hold of the potential of our Christian relationships. The fellowship we have with other Christians is special, and we should not take it for granted but rather we should cherish and nurture these relationships. The transformative power of Christian relationships is not an optional extra. We are designed for Christian relationships. So you might be listening to all this and you're thinking, you know what, there's actually a struggle that I'm having with some Christian relationships. Frustration. Maybe it feels one-sided. Maybe it feels like someone's being hypocritical. Maybe the relationship is unhealthy. Maybe it's competitive where it should be cooperative. Maybe there's been gossip. You shared something and someone betrayed your trust and they repeated what was not supposed to be retreated, but repeated. Again, Christian author Joe Saxton writes this. When our Christian relationships are healthy, they are a reminder of whose and who you are. They can be a source of encouragement and strength. They can be a refuge, not a hideaway, a foundation for your witness in the world. Unity in this community serves as a foundation for your witness in the world. Philippians one twenty seven. above all, You must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Then whether I come and see you again or only hear about you, I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. We're almost there, guys. Before we go, I want you to know this. If you are a follower of Christ, you possess something that the world around you needs. You possess something that the world around you is hungry for. You possess something that someone you know is desperate and waiting for someone to tell them about. I love this phrase. Fighting together for the faith. Fighting together for the faith. 
the phrase fighting together or striving together, this does not suggest easy. We need each other to fight together for the spiritually lost, for those who are broken. They're worth fighting for. And some of you would say that you have come in here and that that was your past, or maybe even it is you tonight, that you, someone has been fighting for you. It could be a Christian friend. Maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a youth pastor. Someone has been fighting for you. Fighting for you to know the hope in Christ. Unity. Unity comes as we go through challenges together. A challenge that this community, PC Youth, can take on is to bring the hope of Jesus Christ to other teenagers in our city. What if we take that to the next level, praying together for boldness to share our faith? Worship team, why don't you guys come and begin to help me out? What if we take it to the next level, praying together for boldness to share our faith? What if we take it to the next level, celebrating when a teenager comes to faith in Christ? Do you know that there are people who are here, maybe this is you, people became followers of Christ at this camp. And maybe you're here, you've been a Christian for less than 24 hours. Do you know, I know adults seniors even, old people who say that they remember giving their life to Christ at camp. It may not feel like it right now, but if you take hold of what's happened to you spiritually at this camp, years from now, decades from now, you will tell your children and your grandchildren about the trans forming experience that you had at Triangle Lake Camp when the trajectory of your life changed forever. As we go into the 2021-2022 school year, what if we said that we're not going to be satisfied with finishing the school year at the same size that we started with. We're not going to be satisfied with that, that we are going to look forward to the end of the school year and looking around at the gym, the youth, um, the FLC, Family Life Center, or maybe when we come to this camp next year, and we're going to look around and see all the teenagers from Salem who were reached because you were willing to be uncomfortable because you were willing to let it be weird for a second to tell somebody about the faith that you have in Jesus Christ and someone who has been like this towards Jesus for whatever reason imagine if next year they're sitting next to you at this camp it can happen it can happen Why do we know this? Because there are some of you here tonight and last summer you had thought there's no way that I would ever imagine myself 
being at a camp like this. Yet here you are, and you can't imagine being anywhere else. There is courage and strength in numbers. That's what it says in some of your t-shirts. Strength in numbers. There is courage and strength in numbers. To stay caught up with us as a youth ministry, go to PC Youth Salem on Instagram and YouTube and join us Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific time for our live stream. Have a great week.